What's up, everybody? You're listening to an episode of This Most Unbelievable Life. Yes! We're so glad you're listening. If you've been listening for a while, you know my voice. I'm Dr. Sherry Spiegel, and my co-host is my dear friend, Dr. Paul Fitzgerald. That's right, folks. I'm Dr. Paul Fitzgerald, and I'm happy to welcome you to Season 5 of the podcast. I'm honored to be here once again with my co-host, Dr. Sherry Spiegel, as we work to discover, along with you, our own most unbelievable lives. Thank you for listening. Yes. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, you want to do it? No, we've already played that trick. You okay, need a new another, game. I don't know what a new game would be. Paul is very afraid because he thinks that I'm going to tell him what the topic of the podcast is before he gets a chance to tell me what the topic of the podcast is going to be. The fun fact, listeners, is that neither one of us, I think, knows what the topic of the po- Anyway. Um, Are you calling uh, my bluff, Dr. Oh, Fitzgerald? Maybe, maybe, maybe Dr. Spiegel. Um, so the, the rock, paper, scissors, if you don't know about that, is our way that we did once to decide who, <laughs> who leads. Dr. Spiegel, good afternoon. Hi, Paul. How's it going? It's going well, thank you. What a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. What's the weather like? Weather's warm. I took a walk earlier um, because I have homework. That oh, I are need you to do. doing your students' homework too? I am doing my students' homework for two reasons. One, I think it's cool, and two, they asked, and so I'm doing a homework too. So they have to identify using the not an, not an endorsement, but it's very cool. The uh, Seek by iNaturalist phone app. Um, where you kind of turn it on and you point it at different plants and it tells you like what species it is, well, info about it, the taxonomy, whether it's native or introduced or invasive or whatever. And they have to come up with a, a, a field guide of the 20 plants, of 20 plants that are around where they live. Nice. Oh, Paul, are you going to do it too? I'm like, absolutely. So I went to your biology lab when you talked about that with uh-huh. your students. I've also been in the company of you while you had that app working Uh um so i downloaded it too it's very cool i have not completed my homework that i assigned myself um but i'm really enjoying it so i'm curious um do the 20 plants that they uh identify do they need to be um native to the area or can they be introduced um no let me explain um they can just be 20. It's it's more, I kind of pitched it more as a familiarity with your environment mm-hmm. kind of situation. Just so to get, well, there were a lot of reasons. Some stated and some not stated. Some it's like, just go outside, get some fresh air. It's a beautiful day. Get some sun, yeah. you know, um, this whole, so th- th- there was part of it, just kind of getting them outside a little bit to do some stuff. Another part of it was um, just like, be curious and look at plants and say, Ooh, I'm going to get a picture of that one. And through repetition, maybe one might learn something about one's environment. Um, learning kind of reinforcing this notion that learning doesn't always, or I might even go so far as to say rarely happens in the classroom. It oftentimes happens outside of the classroom, even with material that was covered in the classroom. Oftentimes, if not usually, the learning of it happens outside of the classroom. Science is something you do with your hands, not necessarily always something you do with your head. Um, the reasons were myriad. Myriad. Uh-huh. And um, one thing they do have to do, however, is they have to come up with some questions um, that arise within them as they 
engage in this activity. Um, and if they approach this with curiosity, it will happen. Um, just from like walking around and taking a close look at stuff, questions might, might sort of pop in that they could they could ask. So I, I asked them to come up with three, three good questions. And so when I was walking around outside, one thing that I noticed, um, and I knew this kind of already, is overwhelmingly the plants around us here in Northern Virginia are introduced or invasive. <laughs> <laughs> I think of the 15 or 16 that I identified today, maybe like two or three were popped up as native. It's like hollies, um, Virginia bluebells, and I don't. I mean, God, it made it might have been two. So I think we should compare notes on this subject because my hypothesis is that you are going to find more introduced species in your manufactured living of Reston. Yeah. Whereas I actually think, because I live in Old Town, Alexandria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that um, especially uh, in some parts down by the water, they've done um, a lot of intentional work to focus on plants that would have been indigenous to the area. Mm. Um, And so... um, it would be interesting to do like a little comparison of who can find more native plants in their region. Yeah. I mean, Reston, Virginia is a planned community. When did it, I'm asking you like you were here, you know, at the time I'm, I'm asking, like I, I was here at the time, six sixties, fifties, sixties. Um, it, Sherry it popped was up not here during. Yeah. Neither was Paul. Um, yeah. It popped up as a, as a living community, um, planned community. One of the first big ones in the United States um, as the bedroom community for Tyson's Corner, yeah. which, if you're familiar with Northern Virginia, is literally the economic hub of the DMV. It's like the the the, the gross domestic product of Tyson's Corner is greater than the District of Columbia. <laughs> you know, it's like, the, you know, there are fancy companies in the district. The biggies are in Tyson's Corner. You know, mm-hmm. USA Today is in Tyson's Corner. It's like, you know, Ernst & Young is in Tyson's You know, these huge multinational companies, a lot yeah. more HQ'd in Tyson's. But it is almost to the point where it seems like concrete is indigenous to Reston. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it, it's kind of, it's it's more green than a lot of Northern Virginia. So if you look at Northern Virginia on a Google map satellite view, it's like there is this patch of green up there. It's it's not bad. But um, a lot of development. The, the running joke out here in Reston is that um, the official Reston um, animal is the crane. Because hmm. it's like you look out over your patios over the Reston skyline and that's all you see your cranes, you know, from <laughs> horizon to horizon. You know, building very tall. Because, um, you know, Reston is known for its historic, you know, concrete bunker, three-floor uh, architecture that could survive nuclear attack. Yeah. Um, this is a bunch of concrete from the 50s and 60s. A lot of oranges, a lot of browns, a lot of greens, you know, a lot of these kind of 70s shag carpet colors. Yeah, um, But it was uh, the the bennies of it, though, of, of Reston. It's like there's this, they, when they built it, they built in like 120 miles of pathway. It's like mm-hmm. you can walk for miles through uh, stream valleys, you know, down streets. Uh, there are underpasses with like without ever actually crossing a street, which mm-hmm. is which is kind of nice. Some that of them cool. have absurd steep gradients on hills. It's like you couldn't. You can barely walk up this. It's like, how could you pave that? It would be stairs by any other right. You know, um, I, um, it's funny because there are a lot of hills in this area. And it's one of the things that I think I've realized 
that I didn't really appreciate until um, several years ago, Eric and I got bikes. And oh, I used yeah. to love like riding a bike when I was a kid. But I grew up in Tidewater, which is sea level, yeah, which flat is as you can get. everything yeah. is flat, right? Like the only hill we have is Mount Trashmore, right? Like, yeah, um, right. and so here, like the hills, like I still like resist them and am angered by them. Um, and every now and again, I do this long walk to the airport with our mutual friend, Mike. And uh-huh. on the way back, there's like this massive hill uh, that we have to go up in order to get back to my condo. And um, I remember one time I mentioned like the, the hill to Mike and I was like, oh, this hill. And he was like, I know, isn't it great? It really gets your heart going. Shut and of course, he's up. super positive about it. And I'm like, yes, you're right. It's amazing. Um I love a person that can spin torture into glory. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for self-flagellation, for sure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When we first moved out here, um, we were looking at the map, trying to decide where to where to live. Ooh, Tyson's Corner. That sounds quaint. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> you know, that sounds quaint. You know, imagine, oh, this cute little, you know, wood it's so funny Homes because with backyards and oh, Tyson's Corner. It's like it's right out of Mayberry, right? Yeah. And it's like you get here, it's like that is not <laughs> what that looks like. That is not uh, right out of Mayberry. That is right out of a uh, different different place. I don't know what I expected Tyson's Corner to be when I first moved to this area. Um, first of all, I may have mentioned at some point that I moved to Northern Virginia begrudgingly uh, because my husband was going to go to grad school and we were going to be here until he finished grad school and then we were going to go somewhere else and he finished grad school and then 10 years later we're still here yeah here Um, you are but uh acclimating to this area was uh, was very bizarre in the beginning um but tyson's corner for some reason i like i always associate it with the tyson's chicken um yeah there's no connection it's not i don't no, think no, no, no. but um for some reason i'm like oh no i don't need any part of that and anytime someone's like hey you want to meet up want to meet up over near tyson's i'm like no i'll never see you no. again if that's yeah. the only option no, no, no. uh like uh, back whew. back before the pandemic it's like it depends on the time of day and the day of week because <laughs> there are yeah. literally no fewer than a gazillion people in tyson's and traffic is a disaster around there like i love ll bean um, but it's just not they have a Trader Joe's, but it's still not worth it. You know, there are so many other Trader Joe's. Yeah, there's Joes. a lot of other Trader Joe's around there. Yeah, um, uh, it used to be the home of the Welcome to Northern Virginia, everyone. Right, <laughs> the travel show hosted by Paul and Cherry. <laughs> um, the for a while, Tyson's Mall was the uh, world's largest shopping mall. Oh. For a little bit, for a little bit, for a little bit. Um, it's not currently, but it held it held a record for a while. I think it was one of the first locations of an apple store oh yeah it was tyson's yeah it was tyson's um like one of the first first locations of, a, of an apple store yeah it was in tyson's um so uh yeah rest in tyson's all very engineered very engineered planned communities and it's like let's get these native plants out of the way so we can plan some others that look pretty and mostly so what i'm what i'm doing this when i'm doing with this app it's like the things i'm paying attention to is it native is it introduced or is it invasive um 
and where is it brought in from? So a lot of them are are uh, Asia, Asian, mm-hmm. right? Um, Asia, um, some from the Middle East, yeah, um, some yeah. from the Middle East. But a lot of it, you know, when it, there are at least three that when I when I searched for them today, it was like Japanese this, Japanese this, Japanese ma- Japanese maple, Japanese whatever, and it's like wow, a lot of this must be similar climate or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that is a lot, a lot of Asian, a lot of Asian, plant, you know, transplants. Yeah, we'll have to compare uh, within notes. the plants out here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was it, wondering it, something very similar to you, though, in terms of where the pockets of of, nat- of nativity. I don't know. Um, and I was thinking more closer to the swampy or, or the lake lake sides. You might get more native stuff, and the invasive stuff are obviously going to be where the you know, the condos and, and a lot of the paths are. And I yeah. was kind of wondering if the proximity to water and sort of how messy the environment is might be more native stuff. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, um, there are certain places that they've kind of, um, that they've, you know, built up right by the water um, down in sort of south uh, old town uh, where you can tell even though they're building they're also like trying to be really mindful of the original yeah. plantage and what the, what they're taking out they're trying to also I guess restore right. in some ways right. Right. Um, yeah it's interesting um, I don't know why but this year I have been much more interested in nature maybe it's because we've been locked inside for a year it could be uh, it could be that I'm just going for like more walks Um but I'm sort of obsessed with birds. And this year or recently? Did you say it was recently or this year? Recent obsession with birds. Recent, okay. Yeah. I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast last week when we talked about hobbies. I don't know if I was ready to admit it then. Mm. Uh, but I was telling my friend Caitlin, um, I think I've reached the stage in my life where I want to take up birding. Yeah, they're around. Um, when we put the birds? feeders. Yeah, birds, they're around. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw a couple today because um, we have a couple of feeders out on the patio and um, there's a couple that, you know, little websites that is like Backyard Birds of Northern Virginia. Um, like that. It's like you get 20, 15 or 20 more common. So what's your right? favorite and if, bird? If you know, if you know, like those 15 or 20 or so, you, it's going to be like 98% of all the birds that you're going to see. Mm-hmm. In the so what's your favorite bird? The the dark eyed junco. Wow, you had a very specific answer. Dark eyed junco. Yeah, they're my totally my favorite. They're only in the winter. They come down from Canada in the winter, and then they head back up. I don't see them much anymore. It's getting a little warm out, so they're taking off. They're really cute. They're this really dark brown, almost black, dusty color on the top, and they have white bellies. Mm-hmm. The dark eyed junco. Hmm. Love them. And they're cute. Nice. We get we get quite a bit of bluebirds as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is neat. And, you know, you, you just, you put a feeder out, you get a website or a book or whatever. And every time something shows up, you look it up and you don't have to do anything more than that. And I was, I was talking to my students about this. You want to learn your backyard birds, just get a little El Cheapo feeder. If you want to be fancy, get a squirrel proof one because those squirrels are devious. <laughs> um, and it's like, you don't have to try to like, you don't have to make flashcards. You don't have to memorize these things. Just get a cup of coffee and sit on a chair mm-hmm. for a half an hour in the morning, you know, and, and see what shows up and look it up when it does. You don't have to like do anything. 
just the you know daily reinforcement of oh that's a well, I haven't seen one of those before what's that you know and you keep going going through it within a month you're going to know every one of them yeah it's interesting I've been meditating more with the with the windows open and I have yeah. windows on three sides of my condo um, and I've been trying to pay attention to specifically like who I'm hearing. Like, yeah. So there's there's really like three different songbirds that I hear. I don't know. I haven't associated their song with. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a that's second level. Right. But I've been listening to them quite a bit. Um, ask me who. No, no. Don't ask me. Guess what my favorite bird is. It is the. Is it a songbird? <laughs> is it a dove? I would not say so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Canadian goose. Mm, good guess, but no, I have beef with them. Mm, they have beef with most things. It's large or small. You know, when, when everybody says, hey, guess, it's like I have to turn it into this, some whole big like thing. No, no, no. It's, it, um, it's, if you guess, I will be super surprised. It is the grackle. <laughs> I don't know what a grackle is. I don't cool. think so. Uh, the tufted titmouse. No. It is the... Choose the bird that no one would choose as their favorite bird. <clears throat> Sparrow. No, sparrows are great, but they're not oh, my favorite. They're okay, great. Um, That no one would choose as their favorite. Boy, like, I, I would be fascinated once this is revealed, if literally anyone listening wants to call and be like, yeah, yeah, me too, Sherry. Pigeon. We're getting close. Morning dove. Seagull. Seagull. Oh, they can be really aggressive seagulls. around food. Yeah, they can really go after your french fries. I know. You can, you don't get them too often around. Every once in a while we see them. You probably see more because you're closer to the water. Well, they and because of where I grew up. Yeah, they can occasionally make it into Restonville. But you probably got quite a few down there by the, down there by the river. By the water. Where you are. Yeah. Um, well, I, I loved seagulls when I was a kid. So They're bigger than you think. They're bigger than you think. They're fierce little birds. Yeah, they really are. It's like if you got some French fries uh, outside and there's seagulls about, you might get uh, some attention. I mean, you've had French fries, right? Can you blame them? No, they're quite good. Mm -hmm. um, so why seagulls, do you think? Exactly what you just described. <laughs> they know what they want and they're they know what they they're want. unfazed by humans. They're just that's like, true. whatever, dude. Yeah, that's give me, true. That's give true. me some of that. Give me some of that French fry. Yeah, they're neat. Um, I like on the beach, those birds, it's like they kind of run out to the water and try to eat stuff. And then when the when raves come in, they like run back in. Yeah. You know, and then water goes out, they like run back out. It's like, that's that's cute. Um, so, so many observations about nature. So many observations about nature. And, you know, that's, I think, what I'm trying to impress with my students now is like, you don't have to go into it like trying you just go into it with some curiosity and maybe an app to make it fun. And it's like, it, it, your brain learns by itself. You don't have to force it, you know, but trying to memorize stuff and trying to do something really only just sort of gets in the way of that, of that happening. You know, you, you can't memorize curiosity. And, you know, if I, if I read three books on how to ask good questions, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to ask a good question. It means that I'm essentially exactly where I started. Yeah. Um, the only thing you have to do, I say only like it's easy, 
you have to pry your stuff out of the chair and go outside and, and start looking at stuff without um without trying but you know noticing mm-hmm. noticing without trying um and you know i think this whole thing with me starts in northern virginia i think this is common when we start thinking about these conversations i mean there's two things in reston that are just taken over everywhere you know english ivy obviously mm-hmm. which is the invasive gone wild you know of the year of the century i think in bamboo i don't know bamboo i was gonna yeah, say bamboo um, where it's like, if there's one like bamboo atom in the ground, I realize their cells are on atoms. It's fine. But it's like, if you have like, even like a little microscopic piece of bamboo root left behind in the ground, when you yank it out, it's just going to grow back. It's notoriously yeah. difficult to, um, to get rid of. So this is why I've been thinking that bamboo might be a good plant for me to keep inside. Yeah. Like bamboo has a thirst for survival. So it should be the right plant for me. Yeah, they say, oh, you wouldn't be able to kill it, you know. And then it's like, well, it's a hypothesis we can test. Right? Like, if you have an invasive plant, please invite Sherry to tend to it. Yeah, there are some of these things that people put in the ground that they shouldn't. And, you know, bamboo always escapes the same way. You know, somebody thought it was pretty and they put it in the backyard because it's an attractive plant and off it goes. Off it goes. Yeah. Um, uh, A mint. Mint. Mm. is the same everybody loves mint unless you don't it's not native and it is really hard to get rid of well and it depends on what it's kind a, of mint it's a lot of mojitos yeah that we gotta knock out um it's like peppermint just like mm. standard garden variety peppermint it's like See, i'd it's be down really... if it was spearmint so you know whenever you whenever you see gardeners it's like if you want to put mint in your garden that's great but don't put that in the ground you know because keep it in a pot because you're it's going to be here longer than you are Mm-hmm. longer than you are um so if there's a culinary use for it fine but put that in the pot and ivy just takes over for us kudzu was always kind of the big one in the mm. southeast i think but we don't yeah. get too much of it around here around here <clears throat> yeah, yeah the only plant i have here. growing in my house well i've got some succulents that i i don't know whether they're doing well or not yeah it's hard to tell um they're getting tall which i think is bad yeah i have my winter cactus which now that it's spring is blooming yes i see it behind you you. um and uh it seems to be adding more segments and it's got a a couple of buds on it so i think it's doing okay but yeah it's it's not one of those where you really know how it's doing always i'm not really i wouldn't call myself the plant whisperer i also have an african violet which i think needs to be repotted i think it has outgrown its pot yeah um, so yeah. it's time for it to grow up into a bigger one. Yeah, I hope I'm always afraid my aloe is on a fleeting relationship with. But it, I mean, it, I've had it for years and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. So it must be okay. Most of the year it lives outside and then over the winter it lives inside. But I don't know. It's rocking away. Yeah, it seems it's to do well. back there. Yeah. 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 Ah, yeah, that app is fun, right? And it does, it, it identifies more than um, plants. Like it, it, animals, fungi, all kinds of stuff, right? It's not just plants, but it's hard to get a. It's hard to use on birds because it's like they move kind of quick. <laughs> well, this is why I've been looking into binoculars. Binoculars, yeah, you did mention that. Yeah. Earlier. Mm-hmm. I think I need some binoculars, and a friend of mine just got binoculars that allow you to take pictures, which. As I'm saying this out loud, I think my husband would say, yeah, that's called a it's camera. It's called a camera. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
called a good camera with a nice thing. zoom yeah, it's lens. called a telephoto lens. Right? Yeah. But I um yeah, I don't know. I just um it's a weird thing. Um the more I slow down, right? Like I think that that's the big transition. Like I spend so much more time at my home. And so you notice things about your house, I guess. Right. Uh, but then I also spend a lot of time like looking out the windows. Um and I don't know. I just um I think I'm just paying more attention. Um, like as we're talking, I can see out my window. This is gonna crack you up. Um, a wasp uh. buzzing at my window right now. I think I attract those. Yeah, we've had a fair number of bees that I've seen. Wasps though. We haven't seen any wasps yet. Yeah. Well they're yeah. Yeah, he's definitely buzzing at the... You stay out there. I'll stay in here. And they belong outside. They do. Um, yeah. I totally forgot where I was going with that because I, I heard him buzz. and then Yeah, I, and that's enough to shut down. <laughs> I was like, good day. Yeah. Um, we're not, right? Yeah, yeah. no. Um, but I don't know. I think I just... Um, I'm paying more t- attention to what's happening in the trees. Um and I, I think it may just be a, a function of when, when I, when you stop trying to live your life at such a clip where you're constantly busy, constantly doing a thing, yeah. Um, then you can, you just notice different things. Uh, and so, um, I think I have noticed a lot more birds this year. Um, yeah. And it could be like I keep company with people who notice things too. So like, oh, what yeah, have maybe. you noticed? What have you? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, but I'm digging the birds this year. Yeah, they're fun. It's something to do. Mm-hmm. It's something to do. Um, and you, it's, it's it's curious how into it you can sort of get. And oh, look at that! Oh, look at that! Uh, yeah. You get kind of excited about it. So and when I get really into birding, are you going to want to hear all my bird stories? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Um, but it's it speaks to something victorious, if you ask me. It's mm. like, I want to live a life where the birds that I see are exciting. You know, it's like, and you know, I I think I started... I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get into the birds. I'm going to get into bird watching. I'm going to start looking at those. But then you don't because life intervenes and we're busy and, and it takes intentionality and to, we put too much into our day uh, that, you know, in order to do that, you have to take something out and you don't feel empowered to take something out, to put it in its place. Not that it takes like hours a day or anything like that. You do it over a cup of coffee in the morning. The problem is you're doing other things while you're having your cup of coffee in the morning. So what if you say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to drink a cup of coffee and bird watch for Mm -hmm. half an hour every morning inside of a month, you'll know all of them in Northern Virginia that come around anyway. Um, but it does require a slowing down. And yeah. I mean, much of what bird watching is, is sort of sitting there paying attention, waiting for something to happen. Um, if you're intentionally bird watching, I mean, I, I learned the birds of Northern Virginia by accidental bird watching, which is you just sit there with a cup of coffee and you'll watch the bird feeder and you identify what shows up. However, you know, now that I'm out and walking around, since it's getting warmer out uh, on the rest and paths, which mm-hmm. is awesome. It's like, oh, one of these. Oh, look, it's one of those. Ah, that's the how you tell the woodpeckers apart. Um, so it does kind of cross 
cross over into, mm-hmm. into practical knowledge. And um, when the pandemic started a year ago, taking a walk was what you could do. Mm-hmm. You know, and you get outside and you, you and I, I really hesitate um, to, to make the statement, but I end up saying it more often than I than I, I like, you know, if one, one thing good that came out of the pandemic because like nothing good came out of the pandemic, you know, so it's like I'm not saying that it was like a good thing, um, but it did sort of force feed us all a little bit of uh, slowing down. Indeed. Well, and that's as you said. um to live like something about to live a life where the birds you see excite you for the day yeah the most exciting thing oh i saw a junko we can all live that life right like yeah you can you don't have to go anywhere special like can you do it by by choice though see that's the trick you know it's like so many people were forced into it you know it's like i'm not sure though if i exclude myself from that you know it's like if, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for COVID-19, it's like, I really need to come up with different ways of saying this kind of stuff. Um, but the <laughs> what what when we did what we could, right, when the pandemic hit, it ended up that, you know, I ended up identifying a lot of birds and I really dig it. And it's, it's, it's really exciting and a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the reasons that, you know, I might be noticing more birds is because I'm just so so craving a thing that's not on a screen yeah and that's like Uh, i want to look at things that are further away than like 12 inches Mm -hmm. and that birds fit the fit the billing there they do fit the bill um (laughs) so hilarious (laughs) uh welcome to april paul and sherry yeah right (laughs) uh puns and fun um, but yeah, I, um, I don't know. I, I think that spring is such an interesting season because everything outside all of a sudden feels alive. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it, it's an interesting season because I keep saying to Eric, like, I just want to be outdoors. I don't yeah. care what we do. Right. Can we do it in the outdoors? Just want to do it outside. Right. And it's like, you know, sometimes weekends are kind of a bummer because it's like, well, what we need to do is laundry. And uh, no, that's an indoor activity. And I'm like, no, I need to be outside. Do, do night laundry. Do night evening laundry. laundry. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about how as humans – we manufacture so much of our lives so that we don't have to be in nature. Right. Um, so that we don't have to engage with any of what is natural. Um, you know, we've got our light bulbs so we can stay up after the sun yeah. goes down. It's a thermostat. Um, you know, we've got uh, the, you know, windows to keep our climate controlled so we don't have to, like, be cold when we don't want to or sweat and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know what it is, but there's something in me that just is getting like really uncomfortable with all the manufacturedness of living right now. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of it, and you know, of, of two people on this earth, you and I, our life is probably on the on the less manufactured than many side. I would think. 
No. Um, I mean, we talk about concrete and Reston. Reston's actually one of the fewer concrete places like I was talking about. South Town, South Side, St. Louis City. Now there's concrete for you, you know. Um, yeah. You know, Detroit, that's paved over. Right. Um, it's it's less than less than most less less than most and um even then though you know even then i mean there's 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 nature to be found however it however it is but it does require often for a city folk going out and, and noticing it but the difference between winter and spring is stark i mean stuff really is starting to pop left and right for us here in the northern hemisphere to my to our southern hemispheric listeners and those of us who are not in the tropics <laughs> yeah, must be geographically specific on this podcast. Um, I was looking out the window right now. You know, um, so many, so many things that looked like brown sticks now have leaves and flowers and insects and all kinds of stuff all around it. And it's always remarkable to me how much everything fills in mm-hmm. um, in the spring with the emergence. It's like, wow, where did all that come from? It's like, and I'm a biologist, so like I know, so you know, fine, I get it. But right. it's like, really, it's shocking. Um, it's shocking how much how much is produced in such a short amount of time well, yeah. by, and by, like, the, by the living plants and all of it around all the time in, in April. And it feels like it's, the it, it really does feel overnight. And yeah, it does. for years I've always been, this has been like something, it's been a benchmark that I use um, kind of to like uh, give myself a little hate, I guess. Because normally I'm so caught in the academic grind that the arrival of spring surprises me. Like, Mm. it's like all of a sudden one day I look up and there are all these flowers everywhere. Yeah. Right. And so I've always been like, oh, that's because you're not paying enough attention. But I've been paying attention. I've been looking out the window every single day this year. Yeah. And still... The flowers on the tree outside surprised me. Like, what is that? Like, why do we miss it? Even when we're looking at it every day. Like, why does it seem so all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about my old office right on campus. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm thinking, and the question is, how many doors do you have to go through in order to get to your chair by your desk in your office? I'm going through the count now. I think right now for me, it's four four sets of doors to get to my office. I'm including my office door in, in that as well. Are no, you when, also including your car door? Five. five. Which way are you going? Okay, but I mean, sorry. You go in the, well, the buildings are double doored. So you go into the foyer and then you go into the building. And then oh, you go right, into the, right. I'd forgotten that. Then you go into the door to the office suite and then you go into the door to the office. And it's like, my God. Yes, I'm My God, you. right? It's easier to break out of like prison than it is to, <laughs> to, to get into my office. Um, more doors for sure. You know, and I think you're rocking three over there where you are, I think, because you got the double doors, double doored foyer as well, going into your building and you have your office door around the corner. You at least have a window. I I never did. I never had a window. Have you never had a window? No, I've never had a window. No. Um, Once. No, I did. I did. I did for about two years. I had a window. You can come look out mine one day. Yeah, but I mean, I was going to say when we recorded episode one of this podcast, Missing the Point, we were in your office. And you know, look out the window. What do you of, of your office? What do you see? A tree. A tree, and behind that is a building. Up, and off to the right is 
another building. Uh, a parking lot. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Off to the left is another building. Off to the right is a parking lot. So it's like, yeah, you do have that tree out there, though. But you don't have to look far, you know, to, to see this. And the only time to, I mean, you wake up in the morning and you're inside. You get in your car. You listen to a podcast such as This Most Unbelievable Life mm-hmm. While Commuting. Uh, or the many others that you could to your office and then you go from your parking lot to your office and then yeah. you get back in your car to go home. I mean to, to home and then you're, you're home and you do this kind of thing and the only times that you would encounter nature in any way is on those drives in northern Virginia mm-hmm. uh, good luck but you do see some of it but you're not doing that you're listening to awesome podcasts like this one <laughs> or thinking about work or kind of whatever whatever you sort of do i mean it, it's not hard it's kind of funny because you know that whole episode was missing the point where we were like completely divorced from nature whatsoever you know and i'm not saying that we got it all figured out or anything yeah but um i think i mean there's always another point it's There's true. always another point. And, and, you know, the intention of that first episode wasn't that, hey, we got it all figured out and this is what everybody's doing wrong but us. Um, you know, it, it's one of the things that are important and, and willingness to give mention to those things that are taking us away from mm-hmm. our best selves and um, acknowledging that there's things that can be done, can be done about it. And, irony of ironies you know five days later pandemic hits and we're all home and witnessing spring from the comforts of our own domiciles where the thing you can do is walk and bake bread Hmm. and buy toilet paper and (laughs) that's about it yeah you know start have you know starter call i mean that's where most people encountered nature i think is by making a a sourdough culture right (laughs) which we all did you know because it was cool and you could and you finally had time and energy because you went in your car for two hours doing it you know and then you know you find out there's all kinds of things that we can do right that we didn't know that we could that we didn't know that we because we didn't have to and so i wish that this reintegration with nature in some thorough-esque kind of way was just a switch we could flip and a choice we can make to reintegrate with our true native selves it doesn't always work that way yeah you know i it's it's kind of interesting because it's all about what are we choosing to pay attention to right and so i think you know, in a lot of ways, we're out on walks. So, well, we can't necessarily keep walking and looking at our phone. So we'll pay attention to other things. Um, I think one of the things I'm thinking a whole lot about now is what's going to happen when we're back in those offices, Yeah, me too. Me too. Right? Um, because, you know, I... I I don't know. Life is so interesting in that, you know, you get all these opportunities. Like, I don't want, I wouldn't want to think that the pandemic has been like an opportunity or we've learned so much. But whether a pandemic has happened or not, like, we would have learned things from the last year based on what we chose to pay attention to or what we were forced to pay attention to. Yeah, right. So I'm, I'm really curious as we reintegrate and as, you know, life after vaccine becomes a thing what are we going to pay attention to now yeah i am curious 
uh, I'm curious to find out and a little concerned, you know, because I mean, one of the things that I keep oftentimes falling back into is, you know, I always felt like I ran sort of counter to this. There were a lot of folks that that early on, and I, I appreciate this, change is hard, um, going back to the way things were, when we all going to go back to normal, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing that terrifies me the most. I think in, in all of this is, oh my God, what if things go back to the way they were? <laughs> what a, uh, a squandering a good catastrophe, you know? Um, but many, many people have made this point, you know, that I'm going to say, and it's, uh, so don't, I'm certainly not taking credit for it. But one thing that the pandemic has done, it, it, it has taken a lot of things that were probably going to happen anyway and made them, force them to happen a lot sooner. Yeah. Especially with regards to education, technology, remote working, obviously. Right. Kind of kind of all, all of this. Um, but social social issues as well, a lot of times. Yeah. You know, have been forced into the into the spotlight. This p- pandemic is proportionately disadvantaging women and people of color. Mm-hmm. Like really. Really. Um yeah. really. Um and so it, it's shining a light on, on some social issues as well mm-hmm. that have been due, you know, um, with all this technology. Why can't I teach my class from home? Why do I, why do, only do we have to meet in a conference room? It's like, I get all that, you know, that sort of technological expectation. But some of this other stuff, it turns out, dials up pretty good as well. Yeah, well, and I think that there, now that we've been living so differently for a year I think the next phase of socialization is going to be quite interesting. Um, the other day I was walking out on a walk through Old Town Alexandria. And mm-hmm. it was a really nice day. I think it was a Saturday. Uh, maybe a Sunday. And so lots of people were out. And what really, really stayed with me is as I looked around and saw these people who were gathering um Socially distant because, you know, we're still in a pandemic. Wearing their masks, fine. But they're sitting at tables on their phones, not talking to the person in front of them. Right, right. And I've had this conversation with so many of my friends recently, like, do we know how to talk to humans now? Like, I'm not sure. Um, like, remember small talk? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm good at it. Yeah. You, you made a statement earlier a couple of days ago. Yeah. I don't think I know how to do it. I also think I'm legit not interested. What is small talk? What, how would you? How would you? package that so because i mean you could one could argue hey sherry how you doing today and you would say just fine paul thanks perfect <laughs> right yeah well that count? right so yeah i was when, when you when you mentioned this i was thinking to bring it up it's like what, what is what is that well is that? so i think it's interesting because so there's small talk like we do at the beginning of this podcast, which is yeah. this artificial, in case you're wondering, friends, here's how two people greet each other. Yeah, this is not the first time we've met. Yeah, like we've been talking for six hours today, yeah, but right, we're going right. to pretend like we haven't. Um, oh, hey, Sherry, how you doing? <laughs> you know what's funny is I think we're so in the um, 
we're so in the practice of doing that, right? That I was recording yeah, a conference yeah. presentation with uh, a collaborator of mine yesterday. And I totally threw her off guard <laughs> because we started, I hit record. Yeah. And then the first thing I did was say, hey, Melissa, how's it going? <laughs> and she was like, hey, Sherry. And I was it's like, oh, I just thought we should say hi yeah. okay yeah, um of course, and then i launched course, into the presentation right? so like the first 30 seconds of our presentation is super awkward because i was That's like hilarious. oh i hit the record button what do, what do you do after that hey you, what's going on <laughs> you say hey and she's like hey um, yeah, but that's funny. not what you that's do funny. in a conference presentation. You don't greet your random. Yeah. Good afternoon, anyway. esteemed colleagues. Yeah. Um, so that was my that's distraction hilarious. from the question, which was what is yeah, small, small talk? talk? So I, don't know I, if I would have an think small talk is the kind of conversation you have with people who you've met before, but you don't really know well, or who you've just met um, because you are too awkward to stand in silence, but you have to be together in proximity for some reason. Mm -hmm. And so it's what happens before. So my favorite kind of conversation is banter. Mm -hmm. Banter's the best, right? Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. There's no objective. You just kind of like throw things out and like you can riff off of each other. Oh, yeah. And like the more absurd the conversation, the better. Delightful. A tete a tete. Yes, indeed. Indeed. It, lots of interruption. Totally normal. Hmm. Who knows but where it's going to go? Who knows? Who knows? Right? Like fly me to the moon. Right? Um, that's delightful. Deep philosophical conversation. I love that too. Right? Like, why do you think we're here, Paul? I Tell think me. I figured that out, by the way. I'll let you know later. Yeah, we're going to. Tune in next that. week for the answer. Yes, exactly. We worked it out, y'all. Um, but small talk is like, so what's new, Paul? Yeah, right. Right, right, right. What you been doing? Or worse, so what do you do? Yeah, where do you work? What do you do? Where do you work? What'd you do over the weekend? Do you make a lot of money? Like, it's just. It's the kind of talk that's fueled by obligation, not by interest. A little kabuki theater, mm -hmm. a relationship held together by kabuki. Yeah. Or we're here, we might as well say words because silence is awkward. Right. A little bit of that, maybe. A little bit of that. Yeah. That's why I really like people that ask a lot of questions and who ask the non-obvious questions. Yeah. Right. What's a good non-obvious one? Um, what's your favorite smell? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So are these antidotes to small talk? No, you have to talk? answer it first. My favorite smell. What's your favorite smell? Uh, it might, I think it's common. Because it's, I mean, you go back to these like early life security, safety associated with easy it it might be like after a thunderstorm or freshly mm. mowed grass you know mm -hmm. it's like i think because mm -hmm. it's like i'm instantly hanging out in the backyard you know with something on the grill and a cardinals baseball game on and uh nostalgiaville nostalgiaville see but that's a much more interesting answer than hey paul where are you from 
Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay, cool. So about you? <laughs> yeah, see, it's not fun. What a fascinating podcast this is. <laughs> yeah, two people having small talk. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Dude, that's Clubhouse, dude, right? So that's not... Uh, tune that's in not next week yet. for Small Talk. Yeah, Yeah. right. Uh, but yeah, talk. I think you were going to ask before I forced you to tell me your favorite smell. Uh, yeah, is this an antidote to Small Talk or is this a way to prevent? Is this prescriptive? It's like if you find yourself in Small Talk, here's some ringers that will, by their very nature, make the conversation more engageable, interesting, curious. Well, I think it depends on whether you have the motive and the energy to opt into small talk. Ah, oh, the energy. Right? Like, um, like, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Um, and it's just something I, I think I'm out of practice with. Like the other day I went and got my hair cut. Um, and I love my stylist and we have these long, interesting conversations. Um, but after the hour and a half that it took to get my hair cut, uh-huh. <clears throat> I'm giving Paul side eye because of how long it takes him to get a haircut. Um, I felt exhausted from sustaining a conversation for that long. Um, so I don't know that that answers your question, but it's Can't just hold the conversation for 10 minutes. Uh, my haircut takes longer than 10 minutes. And that's like 10 minutes door to door for you, isn't it? They use more than one uh, length of attachment on the clippers, right? When they Attachment. Yeah, clippers. Clippers. <laughs> I imagine I you don't have your hair one blow bar dry. of soap in the, sh- in the shower, right? And that's my entire shower team is one bar. So- anyway. You know, I found uh, this ad for this, uh, a bar of soap that you could use for your dishes. Yeah, that goes too far for me. I don't know. <laughs> there was a moment where I thought about buying it for you for your yeah, birthday those are, those as I, look, now you can do all the things. Yeah, I went through the stages on that because there are the shampoo bars, you know, yes. which I found to be very, very effective, you know, um, for folks who want to get away from plastic bottling you know, you can mm-hmm. get you can get a paper wrapped bar of shampoo soap, and then I just had this extraordinarily dangerous thought: it's just just regular soap that <laughs> says like shampoo soap. It's like it's 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 like the old Simpsons cartoon, right? With the th- the three different varieties of Duff beer, but they all come out of the same spigot, out of the same tank. It's like, wait a minute, these are all the same thing. You know, Bud Light and Michelob and Michelob Light are the same beer, um, and um, I don't think they are, but I don't want to get sued by Anheuser-Busch, so they're probably not. Um, uh, but yeah, I started, it's like, I think they're actually, like, if I can use two bars of soap, I can probably just use one. So you don't condition your hair. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that does. You do. You're a smart it, man. You, does Shauna use conditioner? I think. I think. She must. <laughs> Um, so what is the what is the avoid small talk question that um that gets us into this place how long does it take you to take a shower that's the question right yeah but you don't it the context matters you don't want to ask that question in any context yeah so you go your next big dc political event and you meet the congress person from whatever so 
as long as I take you to take a shower, right? You're going to be on CNN the next day. I promise you. Right. Or you ask that question as the next popcorn in your classroom. Yeah. People right. are going to give oh, you some be a looks. Good one. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't do that. I'll yeah. Like, Maybe I'll come up with something else. There are bad questions. There yeah. are. Um, but I think a question like, how many products do you use? Is perhaps a little less. Interesting. Yeah, well, we are moving into environmental science in our in our classroom, so I mean, maybe that's not a not a bad way to go, right? So you know, th- this week that'll be the lab. Yes, I just came up with my lab for that for that week. Go, you know, on your on your daily or weekly routine, how many products do you use that come out of plastic bottles, and you what is the fate of those bottles? You know what's funny? What? So I use shampoo and conditioner. Mm-hmm. How many plastic bottles do I use? None. You're correct. Yes. How is that possible, Paul? I don't know. I do. You, you have the the wall mount dispenser, right? I do. Why I do you know that? Uh, Y'all, Paul's been looking in my shower when he visits my home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny though that those are cool. The, yeah, those are cool. So, what do they the, do? Do they come in a? Well. Well, so I have a wall hangy thingy, but that doesn't have my shampoo and conditioner in it. My shampoo and conditioner in glass bottles. Oh, neat. Mm-hmm. Neat. Which uh, my stylist says we should buy beer cozies and put them in. Yeah, totally. Uh, so Because apparently if they fall, it is catastrophic. <laughs> yeah, so. Are they, so they're refillable glass bottles or are they? I mean... It is purchased in a glass bottle, or it is they it... are purchased in a glass bottle. Because I'm thinking, like you're taking like an old Coke bottle or something like that, and when it's empty, you put some conditioner in it and call it a day. That's a Paul thing to do, right there. It's <laughs> a perfectly good uh, Coke bottle, right there. You just it, use that. It's my come, mom talking. It's my they, mom talking. They come in um, glass bottles, and then Neat. what I haven't figured mm-hmm. out is what I want to do with the glass bottle after it's empty. This is kind of a new thing. Yeah, I mean, glass recycling. Uh, I've, I've, back to the environmental tinge of this of this episode. Fairfax County tries, but it's hard. You know, I mean, to throw something away, you just have to find the nearest trash can and throw it in. To recycle, there's more of a barrier to it. I mean, you have to do stuff. A lot of times, you have to clean it and you have to sort it. And glass and plastic used to be separate but then they were together because we fairfax county went single stream and now they're not doing single stream any longer so now the glass ones got to drive for a mile to go to the glass recycling but the plastic one is just still like right outside and it's 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 like why do you think so much recyclable stuff ends up in the trash can because recycling is a pain in the ass yeah um and it's a pain in the ass because it's not done in a way where the cost structure is enabling it to be convenient or it's not funded by a community to the extent where it can be it can be convenient you totally could single stream this does have to come up with a mechanism or pay people to sort stuff out you know um alternatively you just throw it in the trash and it just ends up in mount Trashmore, and um god knows where but that was always the mistake of the trash is that you put the stuff in this container and it magically disappears twice a week or once a week I and mean, it's out of sight out of mind Recycling takes a little more effort and it forces us to come sometimes to conclusions about the fate of our disposable products that we don't necessarily want to come to. Mm-hmm. I mean, and people get bent about paper a lot, you know, and, you know, paper breaks down pretty quickly. I mean, if you don't recycle paper, it's going to, it's going to come apart pretty quick. Usually, 
with some exceptions, most of the time. You know, it's the plastic and glass, obviously, that take an eternity. With paper, it's the trees, though. I mean, the deforestation still that goes into trees, mm-hmm. you know, is to, to fuel the industry is shocking. Um, shocking. And, um, but why is it, you know, and, and I always, because our, our campus would do this every once in a while, or at least our college would, and they would, they would do this. How do we get more people to recycle more stuff from the, from the cafeteria? You know, and my solution was to get rid of the trash cans or have one really inconvenient, but it's like the trash cans are all over the place. The one recycling bin is like way over there. And it's like, are you kidding? Are you, do you really not see what you're asking people to do? You know, unless you have a social conscience in place, which clearly it is not there, you know, to take the extra five minutes to go and recycle stuff appropriately, then it's not going to work out. Because people have class to get to, for goodness sake. So it's like if you want more people to recycle, maybe don't have 20 trash cans in one recycling bin 200 feet away. Right. That's my rant. That was a little bit of a rant situation I appreciate. I got a little (laughs) excited about that. Um, See, that's what's interesting. Like, I think no one could ever accuse you of mansplaining. I don't think you mansplain. I think you excite-explain. I excite-explain. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Um, But that what I'm excited to talk about is how frustrating recycling is. Um, Because it's it's hard. I mean, we just got three recycling bins that they started to put out down here by our trash dumpster. uh, Which I don't see. Outside my window because of the non-native azalea that's planted out front between here and there, you know, between here and there. Um, But before that, we had to go. We had to go up the hill. You know, we didn't. You know, when it was time to take the recycling out, we just threw it back in the car and took it up there the next time we left and went somewhere. Yes, that's recycling in Fairfax County. Okay, that's not like I'm talking about some podunk place in Boot Hill of Missouri. Hello, my friends in the Boot Hill of Missouri. you have my heart but uh i mean this is in urban centers where recycling is like wow it's tough but fairfax county doesn't do the thing like boston i think does the curbside trash pickup uh where you have to pay for it like per bag Mm -hmm. it's like if you want to throw something away it's i don't know a couple of bucks per bag and you know that caused people to think about well in some stuff in, in vermont i think i okay and so here's the thing. I don't know whether this is a legit Vermont thing or if this is something Vermont family has told me that I've believed. Um, I think it's probably a, a legit thing. Or maybe it's New Jersey. It's it's somewhere, somewhere. up there in where I got family. The uh, it's either my zone. family or Eric's family. I think it's Jersey, actually. They'll get fined if there are recyclable items in their trash. Yeah. I mean, that's... You don't want it to have to come to that, but it, it sort of does. It sort of does. It has to. It has yeah. to, you know, something about the wiring of humans prefers incentivization over uh, ethical obligation. Well, there's you know? also the, uh, one of the things that I think is very ish, interesting about this is that most of the onus on the horrible use of plastic comes down to the consumer, consumer. not to the producer. Yep. And that bothers me. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I mean, Nestle and Pepsi can get away with it scot-free, you know. Yeah. Um, and they blame the buyer. You're absolutely right. Um, but I mean, the big the big scam about bottled water, because people are always talking about, you know, bottled water as being one of the huge culprits of this, and it is. Um, they're not selling you water. 
they're selling you a plastic the bottle, bottle. Mm-hmm. that's what you're paying for is a plastic bottle the water is just something to put in it they might as well just leave it empty you know because they're not making money off the water they're making money off the bottle yeah that's where the economics of, of bottled water is it's in the bottle well especially for like the fancy artisanal bottle like yeah. right like it too yeah. is from New Jersey. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the beautiful Fiji bottle. Yeah. With the same water. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. But we put a picture of Fiji on it. Fiji on it. On the back, on the inside back of it or whatever. You right, know, right. Aquafina or, I mean, some of these waters are a little more engineered, you know, vitamin waters and which are, yeah, yeah. or what's that other one? Smart water. Yeah, with um, the electrolytes in it. The electrolytes and the pH balance stuff. And I get right. it. You know, or the alkaline. On, Why am I supposed yeah, to drink alkaline water, alkaline yeah. water Paul? Explain I think that it's a fad. I think it's a fad. I think it's a fad. Um, Wait, but shouldn't know. the biologist be able to explain why this fad is good to me? If it was true. Yeah, right. If it was true. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i tempted now to say I grew up on St. Louis City tap water and I'm, I came out perfectly fine. Right. <laughs> You know, and that's a whole other episode for a whole other podcast. The whole, and I came out fine, right? Yeah. I I don't have a leg coming out of my forehead though, you know? So it's like, I'm okay. It's not radioactive. Then again, I'm also not in Flint, Michigan. Okay. With more lead in the water um, than than anything. Um, Doing some water with your tap lead. Or, yeah, Uh, I mean, in Chesapeake, when I was growing up, um, pregnant women were discouraged from drinking tap water. Yeah, yeah. We're in Central California. This is the Aaron Brockovich story, right? The yeah. chromium six, hexavalent chromium in in the tap water in the Central Valley of California. And it is, you know, I mean it's you move you go to Sacramento, you go to, you know, Davis where I was, you go to wherever, you know, one of the first things you buy is a Brita water filter because, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty hard to choke that stuff down sometimes. It's it's and it's like those those groundwater supplies, those aquifers have been tapped so hard. By the mm-hmm. agricultural industry. I mean, what what show was that? It was um, there was some TV show on recently with Billy Bob Thornton. What's the one that he's he's in? Um, mm. Not Bosch. That's another good one. Um, Goliath. Yeah. Goliath. Where this I, was in where the whole the whole plot of the, the whole per, plot of the season was the groundwater legality yeah. and groundwater issues in the Central Valley of California. I remember because people in get hot about it. Graduate school uh, in a class. Uh, on ways of knowing in nonfiction, where we read uh, Silent Spring by Rachel Carson. Yeah, Rachel Carson, yeah. Yeah, and that was just like, oh, how is this going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then the, the, another big shocker after that was just wait till the bees go extinct, see what your produce section looks like, mm-hmm. you know, because that's all mostly pesticides and herbicides as well. Right. Looks like it's knocking that out with the nicotino- nicotinoids. Um and uh, so I don't know how to, I mean, because the question that begs to be asked by people like me, for example, is not a kind one. It's like, how do you force people to pay attention to this kind of stuff? As if you're you're on some sort of environmental mission. If you go outside and you observe enough birds and you recycle enough, then all of a sudden you're going to do great things. Um, I do know that um, the mostly meatless lifestyle that I have um, is one where it started as a health concern, but it, it did change itself into, I just feel better about myself as a person when I don't contribute to some industries that I, I'm just not, not fond of that cause mm-hmm. a lot of suffering and not only a lot of chickens, but also a lot of people, yeah. um, who live in those communities. Um, 
And, um, but you know, it, I still come back. How do you force people to recycle? It's like, I don't know if you can, you know, I mean, coerce, what do you do? You coerce, do you incentivize? Do you, you know, cause fancy talk and commercials haven't done a, a hell of a lot. Or the recycling play. Eric Spiegel yeah. was in the recycling play in sixth grade. Yeah. But if you imagine. recall a lot of that, yeah, a lot of that um, recycling got shut down when China stopped accepting imports mm-hmm. of recycled yeah. material. That's true. What was in the recycling play? What's that? Well, Eric's recycling play. What did they do? Yeah, I don't. Well, so I've seen footage of it, but I don't actually remember. Um, I just know because I don't think there were like characters in the recycling play. But I just remember like he sang a song that was like something about you can make a difference, make a difference, make a difference. That's what I remember. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. So. It's funny, and you can, and you can, you know, um, is it better to recycle or to not buy the thing that you're putting in the recycle? I don't know. Those are the questions. Those are the questions, you know, is it better to recycle or to wean yourself off of recyclable materials? Right. Because, I mean, even you feel good when you buy something that's 50% recycled. It's like, the other 50% isn't, you know, you know, uh, that's not, that's not. Uh, recycled material that is native material that's yeah. authentic authentically being used on you and I don't know and I don't want to make people feel like shit you yeah. know for so it's like I, I, I haven't answered that question on what the, what the what the way is and I think a big part of the way starting starts with learn your backyard birds indeed pay attention pay attention to what's outside pay attention to what's outside and how we and the various things we manufacture for our comfort, how that impacts the things outside. Yeah, because one of the big polluters for CO2, right? You think about your lights and that does it, you know, from the coal power plants. You think about your car with gasoline and that does it. It's um, concrete manufacture. Mm-hmm. Manufacture of concrete and steel. But concrete is a notorious CO2 yeah, interesting. producer. It's like, and look at all that concrete outside. Where do you think all that came from? Right? Where do you think all that CO2 in the atmosphere came from? Mm-hmm. Speaking of CO two, and we can uh, we can wrap this up here in a in a in a in a second. Um, back when I was a kid, uh, the leaves would come out on the trees at this latitude around the middle of April. Hmm. And we've had leaves out now for a week or two. I was going to say pert near two weeks. Pert near two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. This is the earliest peak bloom of cherry blossoms in Japan in recorded history. Fascinating. And that recorded history goes back like 800 years. It's a lot. You know, yeah. yeah, it's a lot. It's like peak bloom of cherry blossoms in Japan is never in recorded history, Brenda, this early. Huh. That's an interesting... God, we have to leave people on some optimism here, though. We did. Go okay, learn your b- backyard birds. Go learn backyard birds. birds. That's your homework. All right, cool. Backyard birds are awesome. Pay Get a cup of coffee. Get a cup of coffee. Learn your backyard birds. But Be then curious. recycle that cup. Put, yeah, yeah. Put no pressure on yourself. There's not going to be a test. Um, do it passively. Don't make your brain work too hard. Do it through yeah. repetition. No flashcards needed. See, and what you didn't know, Paul, is I was planning for us to talk about nature on this podcast the whole time. Perfect. So we did it. We did it, Well, it doesn't take much to, once you pull the pin, it doesn't take much to get it started over here. Yeah, we're pretty good at the banter thing. Yeah, we are. 
But tune in next week for Small Talk, the podcast. (laughs) If anyone out there needs a sleep aid, be sure to turn into next week's podcast. Yeah, we'll do a sleep story. Wonderful. We'll talk in the most monotone voices. (laughs) So, Paul, what's for breakfast? Cool. Cool. Awesome topic. Indeed. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Have a great afternoon, Sherry. Yeah, you too, Paul. And thank you, dear listener, for listening. Indeed. We appreciate that, too. Have a good night. Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast, yes. Yes. Yes.